Welcome. It is August 10th, 2020, here on Hamden Thoughts by AD60M. Today we're talking about summits on the air. And I'll be here with Charlie NJ7V out in Arizona. Stay tuned. Welcome. Hi, Charlie. Hi there. How are you doing? Pretty good. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for taking the time with us. Um, I just wanted to do this um, kind of first interview podcast with another ham that I actually chat with quite a bit. His name is Charlie out in Arizona. Call sign is NJ7V. And if I, if I remember right... You're like a two times mountain goat. Is that yes, is that correct? Right. Yes. Yep. I'm um, at uh, halfway to the third, I think. Yeah. Oh wow. So we'll get into what that means in a little bit, but I just wanted to hand this over to Charlie and ask him what what is summits on the air and uh, why do you do it? Okay. Great. Thanks, uh, Dennis. Well, summits on the air uh, simply is just a uh, program where we combine hiking and the love of hiking with radio and the love of radio. And uh, so there's a point system. Uh, people try not to make it competitive, but it, that happens. But it really is just a way where, where people get up on and do portable operations on summits, and uh, then you get points for that. And then the other people who participate, the chasers, can, can chase these uh, activated summits from their home. And so you have chasers and activators. And uh, point system for both so that's that's pretty much what it is simply put and this started out in the uk right it, it was first invent, introduced there and then it just kind of gained popularity worldwide yes it started out in in the uk uh two, uh, two or three gentlemen maybe it was actually four kind of got together and decided that the, they wanted to combine the two hiking and uh, and uh, radio yeah it started there and expanded into europe for a while i don't think it came to the united states until uh, much later till maybe four or five years after that and so we mentioned mountain goat what what does it mean to be a mountain goat versus okay. its equivalent for those who don't climb mountains <laughs> yeah okay well uh it's really just a certificate indicating that you've reached a thousand points and if you think of it, if you if you have a summit that is worth ten points, uh, that means you have to do at least a hundred summits, uh, at the very least, in order to get your your uh, mountain goat certificate. Wow! And uh, so, but you know, most of the time so, you you aren't able to do that. Yeah. What is what is a ten point versus a one point? How how do they measure the points for for mountains? Well, they're all measured not based on difficulty or, or access or anything like that. It, it's really just a, a system based on uh, elevation prominence from, from surrounding peaks. So you have to, it, the peak has to be so high. I think it's uh, 150 meters high at, uh, in prominence above any surrounding area around it. And if it is, then, uh, then it qualifies for a summit. And then just based on how high elevation it is, then uh, they kind of assign either between one and 10 points. There are no odd number points except for one. There, other than that, it's two, four, six, eight, ten. 10. 
And uh, so that answers that question. I actually didn't even know that. So there's no yeah. such thing as a three-pointer. It's always two or four. Yes, from, that's right. From one point, which I've done. I've done a one. I've done two one-pointers <laughs> because I guess the areas that I go to are pretty low elevation. But I right. have heard of ten pointers that you can drive up to, so it's not necessarily right. difficulty, right? No, but it's not difficulty. It's just sure. more of how high you are. And then I know that K6ARK Adam just recently did a fourteen pointer, which was pretty amazing, um, pretty treacherous, a, according to his video. He did a fourteen pointer. Yeah, fourteen. Is that right? Is there <laughs> is there such thing, or is I it just a four? Oh, fourteen K. Yeah, 14,000 14, feet elevation. I think probably what he was it's doing. It's probably what he was talking about. I just yeah. saw 14er, so I thought it was 14-pointer. 14, 14 oh, yeah. It's a 14er, meaning, yeah, 14,000 uh, <laughs> feet of elevation gain. Yeah. And so because, uh, oh, yeah, the, the, there is a way to get odd number of points, though. I mean, yeah, it's 2 through 10 even. But then if you have a bonus point season and you uh, activate an eligible peak that is in – the bonus season, then it's usually worth around three extra points. So, like for example, you do a two pointer and it's bonus season, you get five. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, I never really figure. I guess it's by region that they figure out the bonus, like the winter bonus, for example, and all that. It is. Yeah, it's it's based on. I mean, you have to come up with some type of criteria, and uh, usually it's yeah, almost every case it's uh, it's snow or just really cold, and and uh, that's the bonus part of it here in arizona we're unique i think that we're the only one if not the only maybe there's maybe one other state that does or association that does summer bonus points and that's just because of the the sheer heat you know that we have here in arizona yeah sometimes we're 115 for weeks on end and uh you know even it doesn't cool down to, to, to like 90 degrees sometimes and so it's it makes it really difficult to get out there and do some of those peaks and yeah. Uh, that heat. So that's why we do summer bonus. Yeah. Yep. And I want to mention that Charlie here is a very prolific YouTuber. He has a site, uh, Red Summit RF on YouTube. If you uh, search that in the YouTube search bar, uh, let me just play a real quick a a big sound bite from that from one of the intros. That is, um, you can hear him running down the hill. Good morning, Charlie here with Red Summit RF, taking you along on my Summits on the Air adventures. If you're just joining this channel, please consider subscribing below and hitting that bell so that you could be notified every so, day. So yeah, as you can hear there, Charlie is, um, he, he uploads quite a lot. And uh, part of the reason I wanted to interview him is because I love watching his videos so much. Every time there's a new one that comes out, I, I get the notification. I'm like, oh yes, another Charlie video. and. They're, they're really they're really great to watch they they take the whole journey you know from from base to climb a lot of the time we see the struggle on the way up and then um, operation in CW mostly but sometimes uh, VHF sometimes on voice as well we see some SSB on HF we see him bring an antenna uh, one of those Yagi antennas which is cool too so let's, uh, I just wanted to ask you, Charlie, just a few things about you personally and, and your interest in soda. Um, how did you first get into it? 
into summits on the air. Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, I had read about. I you know I honestly don't exactly remember where I first learned about it, but I had known about it for a few months, and then I went to uh, a local club, and uh, my friend Brian W7JET was there. He wasn't my friend at this point, but uh, he was there giving a presentation on summits on the air. And so I was really excited. I'm like, hey, somebody that actually knows what they're doing. So I approached him after the meeting and asked if I could, uh, if, if he could, uh, you know, help me out. And so I think a few weeks, maybe even about maybe a month later, he uh, took me along, along with three others, to the top of Mount Pili. And uh, so, you know, we all kind of went up there and, and uh, had a good time. And that's kind of where my start was. And I just kind of took it from there. And so you took like your 817 up there or was it a VHF activation? How was that? Well, what made it great is I didn't have any gear yet, you know, so uh, I, I later purchased an 817, but he just brought his gear. Everybody else just, they didn't have to hump up anything up the mountain. It was just uh, Brian. So Brian set up a VHF antenna and radio and as well as an HF antenna and radio. And so I worked uh, several FM contacts and then some sideband uh, and then we kind of rotated through. Wow. So that's pretty cool. Someone just uh, bring all the equipment for you. <laughs> it's kind of yeah, like an intro, yeah. fact, intro I've class. Every, I've returned that to favor many times before to other people who have also been interested in, in wanting to learn soda. I've, I've done that uh, same thing in return. Wow. How dangerous is it? I mean, I, I think about climbing mountains. And I've been on trails before where suddenly I'd end up on some pretty steep rocky parts where I'm like, is this really part of the trail? And looking over the edge and thinking, I, I better not slip right now. And those are just normal hikes, you know. Uh, I'm wondering, for your experience, I mean, how, well, how dangerous you, is it? You know, it's not, I mean, for me, I, I'm really a planner, and I, I know how dangerous it can be, you know, just hiking, generally speaking. You've really got to plan ahead. So from the very and Brian used to be in in uh, uh, in EMT in in Jersey. So he, I mean he from the very beginning emphasized you know you've got to be careful you've got to plan accordingly and and so I've never really felt you know like it was that dangerous but it's primarily because I've always done the research ahead of time I've I've you know looked at the aerial satellites I've talked to people I've 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 done a lot of groundwork ahead of time and so when I go up on a on a mountain and do one I usually you know, works out relatively well. I know what I'm getting into, but it can be very dangerous if you, if the elements are, are not right, you know, you, you know, weather is a, is a huge factor as well as, yeah, it is a root finding and, and uh, temperature even. Yeah. So it just depends, but I don't think it's that, all that dangerous as long as you're planning well. Yeah. That kind of answers my next question, which is how do you prepare? It seems like you do do a lot of research in advance. You don't just drive up to a mountain range and say, I want to try that one and, and head up not knowing exactly where you're going. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it depends too, though. I mean, you know, some of these summits we have here locally, if uh, right, you know, there's a few that, that are a few miles from my house that are two pointers. Those, you know, I mean, people hike them all the time. There's a lot of people around. If you did them in the, in the wintertime, I think they'd be, you know, it wouldn't be much that you have to do, but yet then there's others that are really remote. And uh, if you, something happened to you they may not find you ever <laughs> so oh, wow. you've got to you've got to you know it just it, it depends on 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 the the summit how much preparation you put into the into, into the uh activation do you have one of those the satellite communicators now 
Yes, I was hoping to do something on one of my YouTube videos coming up. But yeah, I I, I recently purchased with the Garmin InReach with the uh, with the, the Garmin GPS built in, and it's it's uh, given me a lot of comfort in knowing that you know pretty much wherever I'm at, I can I can reach somebody. So I take that along. Before that, I just had a uh, uh, what do they what do they call it a uh, some sort of a is it a satellite uh, beacon of some oh, sort? Oh, yes, the personal locator beacons. The, yes. They just kind of send out a signal, and you hope that someone's getting it. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I, there's been an occasion or two where I've, I've kind of gotten into a situation where I was wondering, you know, there was a time where I was hiking with my wife, and we took a route that I wasn't familiar with on uh, one of the summits, and we ended up, like you said, kind of in an area where we kind of pinned ourselves in. And uh, after that experience, she, she questioned whether she wanted to go with me anymore. <laughs> then there's another time where, uh, time or two where, you know, uh, monsoons uh, here in Arizona, they roll in pretty quick sometimes. And lightning, I think, is a big underestimated issue where I, so far nobody that I know of has, has died from being struck by lightning. But if you think of it, you're up on the highest point in the area and then yeah. you put a, a, an antenna up higher. Yes. You know, and, it's like you're, hey, come get me. Put up your own lightning rod just here, yes. right over here. This is the closest point of a strike. Wow, that is uh, just thinking about it. Uh, I'm already sweating. <laughs> so, uh, how would you recommend someone get more involved in the soda community, or even in the 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 active activity itself? Uh, but you know, is not so into rock climbing or mountain climbing or even hiking out yeah. in the wilderness, how, how would you recommend that? Well, I mean, uh, pretty much everywhere you're at, there should be uh, an active group of some sort. Some are more than others, uh, depending on probably how many uh, summits you have. Here in Arizona, we have a large group of, of people, and uh, I think there's a lot of ways. I, I feel like uh, this is a very social event or activity or program. Uh, you know, social media is always a good way to get involved. Um, you can watch YouTube videos as well, and uh, but but I think that there. I mean, everybody kind of has their own recommendations, but for me personally, I was so affected and and in a positive way in what how I first got involved, which is that I kind of had a mentor or an Elmer take me along uh, that introduced me to everything. I think that uh, is really effective. If you can find somebody who will take you along introduce you not only to the hobby of or, or this portion of the hobby of summits on the air but also introduce you to the tools that are out there and the uh and the groups of people the social aspect of it i think that is is the key you just need to find it's kind of like old school you just need to find somebody who can elmer you uh brian you know he he took me to some of the meetups that they have he pointed me towards some of the online resources that are available it was just it was key to me having a great experience i think Wow, yeah. yeah. Speaking of the tools, I mean, there's a, a main website for soda. Actually, I'm a little confused when I go to the soda website because it, it kind of hops between the database website and the main website, and there may be something different for the spotting. Uh, but can you talk about that a little bit, how you actually get the notifications out there? Yeah, well, sure. I mean, the yeah, when you get up on a summit and you're ready to – to send out the radio waves, unless you let somebody know you're there, nobody's going to know, uh, especially if you're doing sideband or FM. Uh, so they have a, uh, a couple things. There's a spot system where you spot yourself, 
and you can do that with a with a cell phone or or uh, through texting SMS. Uh, but what, it's just like any other spotting system they use for for contesting, like for DX spotting. Uh, but and then they also have a reverse beacon network. If you have Morse code, you can send Morse code, and it'll pick that up and spot you as long as you put an alert out on their website. So it's pretty uh, pretty cool system. Uh, it's really key to making sure that you get enough contacts. You have to have at least four contacts in order to uh, get the points. And so. Uh, it's it's key to make sure you have a good time. I think isn't it, to uh, use that spotting system. How how many times have you gone up there, tried for an hour or so, and and not made the four? I've always made the four because, like I said, I I am a very good planner and I plan ahead. Although there was one time on one of the summits, I think it was called uh, um, what is it called? I can't even remember the name of it. Uh, but I it was it was in a remote area in the Sierra. Uh, Anka Wilderness, and I didn't have cell service, and I couldn't reach the Phoenix Metro Valley uh, with uh, an FM radio, even with a Yagi, and I had kind of planned on one of the two of those, and so it was really hard for me to raise the contacts that I needed, because uh, nobody, again, nobody knew I was I was sending, uh, trying to reach the people and have a contact, and so uh, I got close, but I was able to get uh, spotted by some people on a, on a uh, I think they were nearby on uh, the uh, 146, 520, I think. Uh, so that's and, not how it And you got it? Yeah, I got it. Oh, wow. <laughs> so um, undefeated record so far. So far, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to jinx it, though. <laughs> so a little bit more about you. What's your uh, longest distance contact that you've made with uh, on top of a mountain? Well, uh, actually, you mentioned Adam K6ARK. If we're talking uh, FM, you know, VHF contacts, that would be with him. We have an event here in, in Arizona that we do every year called uh, Ten Point Madness, and that's where uh, we have individuals each get on a ten point peak in the state somewhere, and then we all do summit to summit contacts. And I think last year we had just under thirty people on the summit simultaneously on a ten point summit uh, doing this. Uh, well, I was up on Aztec Peak, and, and Adam in uh, Southern California participated in this event as well. And so I was able to get him on uh, on a on a two meters, both CW and uh, FM, three hundred and twenty-eight miles, which is uh, three hundred twenty-eight miles on two meters. Yes. And for context, for those who don't really know what the different bands are, you typically will hit like on a lucky day, you'll hit about a sixty-mile repeater right. with with yeah. a two meter handheld yeah and this is three three hundred sixty eight you said yes wow yes that is wow. <laughs> it's just line of sight you know amazing right adam had a great antenna <laughs> so within hf it was an amazing contact as well i've had one um a summit to summit on hf uh, to australia and what made this in well first of all qrp five watts uh, so it was amazing in and of itself that I was able to go clear to Australia on five watts and reach somebody on another summit. But what made this interesting, this guy, his name was Ian, uh, VK5CZ. He didn't even have a 17-meter antenna, and that's how he made the contact. Well, he, he said he only had a 2040 dipole, 2040 link dipole uh, with his a, uh, KX3. And what he said he did was he, he, he just unlinked one of the two legs of the dipole so he could get close to 17 meters, <laughs> and then he was able to work me. It was amazing. Wow, that's, 
So so five watts or maybe ten watts on his side. Yeah. And not even the right antenna up, able yeah. to to reach uh, across the Pacific Ocean. Yeah, you got to hand it to Ian from MacGyver in that one. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have even thought to do that. I mean, Me no, yeah, that's that that's amazing. How about your most challenging operation? Um, let's see. Well, you know, when I when I became a mountain goat, the the last peak I did before, when I when I was reaching the thousand point, I, I hiked up to a mountain called Goat Mountain. I thought it would be great, and uh, so when I got to the top, I, I I noticed that there was the the space that I had to work with on top was very narrow. It was a very pointy peak, and so I set up my antenna. And I started working people, but I had to kind of stretch the antenna off to one side and the other. And the antenna, the antenna mast, which is just a fishing pole, it actually broke. So I had to operate uh, all of my contacts on a broken fishing pole that was with the wires that were just kind of hanging off any old which way. And it was it was very unideal. It was not not the best. I can only imagine the radio waves just kind of <laughs> flopping all over the place, and you getting good good signal. In one second, then the next, it's it's in a poor position. You can't even get out there. Yeah. Wow. That is, uh, it, the elements are definitely challenging, too. I know some, on some of your videos, you either are experiencing rain or extreme heat. It's just beating down on you. Or um, wind, right? Or, yes, wind. <laughs> that, that I think there was that one video where you're all we could hear was the buffeting on the mic and yes and yeah, was, and the uh, post was just swinging all over the place it was probably 60 mile an hour winds on that oh, one yeah wow. it was crazy yeah, that's crazy yep what else do you do in ham radio i wanted to ask a little bit about i mean do you put together radios do you like designing antennas um are you well uh, i mean i do uh well, of course, soda is my primary deal, but I also chase. We didn't really mention that too much, but uh, you know, if you get a thousand points chasing a summit, you get the same amount of points. If whoever's on a summit, a ten-point summit, uh, then you get those ten points if you're chasing them. And I chase a little bit more. I have been doing that more lately than than I used to, but uh, I have uh, really just kind of done mostly soda. At least recently, I did do a lot of digital before and uh, i really i really like getting uh, doing the dx stuff you know and chasing dx but uh i don't really have a great home setup and so it's it's not really conducive right now to to me doing a lot of that so i've uh i've kind of just been focusing on soda but th with the sun cycle coming up again i'll probably maybe do a little less soda and a little bit more maybe trying to chase some dx and and try to get the you know the dxcc and all that so but I also like uh, VHF. I mean, I like uh, doing uh, some of the VHF, UHF stuff. Uh, there's contests that I want to get involved in. I haven't done a lot of that, but <clears throat> I do that. And, you know, as a soda person, it's kind of expected. Well, it's not expected, but a lot of people, you know, build their own gear. So I've built many antennas. I have a, a bunch of different antennas that I've built. And some of them with the help of uh, the antenna guru, uh, K6ARK. Oh, yes. Uh, but, yeah, like the, there's this, the the half square I built uh, with his direction, and I'm working on a on a uh, NFET half wave trapped uh, antenna. I've built multiple uh, J poles, slim jams, you know. So antennas is good, mm -hmm. and then I have a bunch of uh, electronic stuff I like to build kits and stuff like that. I I just recently the most recent one I did was a Pixie, and I took that up on a mountain and was able to work uh, Washington 
uh, with it, with, and that was just 300 milliwatts, so that was pretty cool. Washington on 300 milliwatts. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I do as far as radio goes, but I also, I like to get involved in other stuff too, you know, I'm involved in my church and I'm involved, I used to, I went to college with, and I got a degree in youth uh, leadership, so I, I am heavily involved or have been in the past anyway with a lot of different youth programs. I was, you know, in the Boy Scouts for 10 years uh, as a leader, and and uh, I, I like to do a lot of just serving other people in the community the best I can wherever, whether it be the you know the ham radio clubs or whatever. I, I definitely keep busy. <laughs> so you are part of the local club there, I imagine. And I yes. imagine there's a lot of other soda hams in that club. There's several. I mean, this this the club local club that I'm a part of is a, I would say more of a repeater FM type of club. Most people like to do uh, VHF, but there's plenty of HF guys and and there's I don't know five or six, seven maybe soda guys that are a part of the club. Yeah. So you mentioned chasing. I, I, I imagine it, that your rig is an entirely different setup when you're oh, yeah. chasing. It's entirely different. I mean, I when I got involved in ham radio, just you know, generally speaking, I was I was not I didn't have a great budget, and so but I, I purchased what I could and set up what I could, and I've just been going with it this whole time. It's been let's see, I got I got involved. I, get, I first got licensed in two thousand five. And shortly after that, I got most of the equipment I'm still using today. So my home station is still a, a, an, an FT897, which has a horrible receiver. And uh, that's part of the reason why I'm not doing really well right now. And then I just ran a wire uh, or a coax up to a, a, a pole, 30-foot pole, outside my, fan, my uh, house. And I have a, a, a 40, 4080 fan dipole out there. It goes right over the top of my house. And... Uh, you know, so not much. That's it. Just 100 watts in a wire. Yeah. That's all it takes, right? Yeah. So uh, I think we did mention it earlier, but your main rig up when you go up on a mountain is the 817, FT817. And Pixie on occasion, you also have a, what do you call those again? Uh, the MTR 3B. Do you have one of those? Yes, yes. Uh, primarily, and a lot of people take that up as their primary rig, the MTR3B. I just recently purchased it because I, the last backpacking trip I went on, I was really, you know, frustrated with the amount of weight that that the my my uh, current gear that I use added to the pack. So I uh, actually didn't take it along, and I just took FM. But you know, I I should have had that MTR3B. It would have made a big difference because it's really the size of a as a, of a uh, deck of cards. Uh, you know, whereas my M- my uh, FT eight seventeen is is uh, probably the size of a book, I suppose, maybe a small book. Yeah. But, uh, I like the eight seventeen though, uh, and I've I've said this in my videos that I I don't see myself going away from it because I like to be able to have the options of doing other bands other than you know twenty thirty and forty. I like to do sixty, and I like to do uh, some of the FM bands, and I also like to do sideband. And uh, so you know the MTR three B is limited in that way. I mean, if I had a KX two. That's like the does everything, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> the eight seventeen is that an all band? Is that like the eight fifty seven where it does two meters and four forty as yeah. well? Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of like the everything radio to take with you, for sure. And yeah. it weighs about what a pound, a little more than, maybe no more than that, but a little more, I think, but not not too much. But yeah, yeah. I I I take the eight seventeen. I like it. Uh, so. So my gear is a little bit heavier. I don't take a tuner, so I guess that saves some weight. I always the the antennas that I make are always uh, resonantly tu- resonant tuned dipoles. So, yeah, I've only ever well in the two times I've done soda, I 
took a, a mag loop, which you can tune, but I didn't bring an analyzer, so I didn't think I tuned it right. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I was with Rex that time, um, KE, uh, KE6MT. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I know Rex. He got like 26 or 20 plus at least contacts in the short time we were up on that hill, and I got like five. <laughs> <laughs> you activated it though, right? I did. I activated yeah. With the help of VHF, I was able to. Yeah. Um, and then the only other time I've gone, I took an NFED, one of Adam's famous NFED antennas that has the, the coil on the BNC right. connector. So that was a lot more successful. I think I got like 12 contacts in that one. Oh, good. What radio did you use? I was using a KX3. KX3. Yeah, nice. Nice. Yeah. One of these days, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but that's pretty amazing, Charlie, uh, how you're 2,500 points into it now, plus yeah. on your yeah. way to Triple Mountain Goat. I don't think I've ever met a Triple Mountain Goat. Um, yeah, there's people that are almost to 10, I think. Just just reaching mountain goat status is enough. And yeah, then, it's challenging. It, it's, it, it takes a lot of resources. My, my wife sometimes, I mean, she, she's really supportive of me doing it. She likes that I have a hobby, but uh, uh, sometimes I, I get into it a little bit too much. You know, I get too, too enthusiastic about stuff, and she gets a little frustrated with me. But uh, the, the amount of resources that it takes, too, I know. Uh, she, doesn't say, she never says anything. She's really nice about it. But, uh, you know, every other weekend... Uh, you know, I take a trip that, you know, two or three hour drive sometimes someplace. And so the amount of gas that, that takes and the, and the maintenance on a vehicle, it, it's, you know, not everybody does that, but those who do, you know, understand it's uh, it, there's resources involved as well. Yeah. Well, those are the questions I had. I don't know if you, there was anything else you wanted to mention. I, I, I want to say definitely search for RF red. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm messing up your name. Uh, red summit RF on YouTube. If you get the chance, subscribe to it. It's a great channel. And like I said, Charlie posts quite a few videos. I would say there's like one every week. I don't know. Uh, I don't yeah. want to put you on the spot and make you feel pressured. It's been to about that. I, I've wanted it. My goal was one a month, but it's been closer to one a week because yeah. And, and I, I was, my goal was to talk to video record it every activation. There's no way it's, <laughs> it's yeah. just too much work, but uh, yeah, about once a week, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate it, uh, Dennis. I appreciate you you having me on and interviewing me. Honestly, this is my first interview ever, so we'll nice. see how how people respond to it. But I oh, uh, love fun. your your uh, first uh, your your first uh, episode of your podcast thing. I, I think this is going to be great. People are going to really uh, enjoy it. I think, and and you do a good job. Well, thank you. That's and uh, I really enjoy knowing you on the on the Jerry and getting to know you there and chatting with you. Yeah. You have a great sense of humor. I think we need to do a podcast just to talk about JerryNet and what it, what started it and where, where it's become or what it's become. Yeah. I mean, most people probably don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a, it's just a group of hams, but we have an interesting start. And I just also wanted to mention that there is a way on, on this podcast um, this is not to you, Charlie. I, we're just having a conversation, but I, I wanted to tell the listeners, we also, there is a way on Anchor to actually give your feedback and provide comments. If you go to anchor.fm slash AD60M, that's this podcast's main channel, main um, website, there's a message button there. 
and you can actually click that button and record a response to an episode or just general comments, recommendations. Um, hopefully I don't get spammed by that, but it's an open invitation for people to give me an audio message about the podcast or any reactions. It's kind of like a, a cool way to interact with the audience. And so what I wanted to do is um, play one of them. I, I got one just recently from Eric, K0EAP, who is a very active Morse code operator. The guy is out there almost daily chasing soda, chasing poda, ch uh, just calling out CQ. He calls it lunchtime on the air, and I wanted to play his uh, message here real quick. Hey, Dennis. This is Eric, Kilo Zero Echo Alpha Papa. I just wanted to thank you for the awesome podcast. It was really, really enjoyable, and it was fun to listen to. Uh, the little uh, uh, test yourself on the digital modes was pretty fun. I got, obviously, I got CW right. I got FT right, FT8 right, and uh, the RIDI one right. Um, and I... I was pretty sure that was Hal Schreiber, but I guessed uh, I, I didn't I didn't guess it right. Um, I thought it was uh, something else that was that was really strange. But uh, great podcast! Uh, thanks a lot for doing them. I really appreciated it. Um, loved it. Can't wait to hear more. And I'll uh, I'll say seventy three, and I'll see you see you down the log. Thanks, Dennis. It's uh, Kilo Zero Echo Alpha Papa signing off from Minnesota. So really cool feature for Anchor. And thank you, Eric, for, for sending the first message in. So, Charlie, anything else? No, you know, I, I, I guess uh, not. I mean, you've asked some great questions about some of us on the air. I really appreciate the fact that you invited me to, to ask a little bit more about it. And uh, I just hope that everybody, if there's anybody that has interest in, in Summits on the Air, they certainly can reach out to me. Uh, I'd be glad to, to answer any questions or direct them to, to a, you know, somebody in their area who might be able to help them and uh, you know, take them up on a mountain or something. But, but certainly, if you have an interest, reach out to somebody, and I know we can get some help for you to, to kind of get you going. Yeah, thank you. And again, check out his channel. It's great. All right. Thanks a lot, everyone, for listening. And we are uh, going to sign out here. Again, you're listening to AD60M Hamden Thoughts. I'll catch you next time.